It was a wonderful warm evening in the UK and we decided why not have a proper South African braai. We had boerewors, homemade roosterkoek, peri peri chicken wings and for dessert we had some bread and butter pudding. In this episode I speak to Alicia about why she moved to the UK and what she does if she gets homesick. Enjoy the episode. So welcome Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, tell me about yourself, who are you? If you had to describe yourself. <laughs> I should have thought um, what to say before coming here, which I didn't. But yeah, so I'm from Pretoria, originally South African. I grew up in Pretoria. My whole family has lived there their whole lives. My grandparents met in Pretoria, got married, stayed there. My parents met in Pretoria, got married, stayed there, still live there. And yeah, I'm actually the first one to venture out. Yeah, because obviously currently I'm now living in the UK, in St Albans. I think my story is probably still, it evolves around Pretoria, I would say, because that's where my childhood was, where I went, went to high school. I went to the University of Pretoria as well. And then I actually did my articles in Johannesburg. And although I think a lot of people who live in um, Pretoria love Joburg as a, almost like a, I guess it's our neighbor city, but yeah, I don't know. My heart is with Pretoria. Um, people tend to also say there's not a big difference between Pretoria and Joburg, but it's like day by night. It's so different as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Just, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I feel like in Joburg, there's way more of a, of a rush. It's almost, it is like the London of South Africa um, or, you know, the New York of South Africa. I feel like even relationships revolve around money or success or like achievement. Whereas in Pretoria, I feel like it's more family and friendship and community. Um, and that might just, I, I, I'm pretty sure it is just my perspective because um, people who grew up in Joburg might tell you differently. But uh, yeah, even now, I love this country that I'm living in now, but, um, and I love St. Albans so much as well. Pretoria is just, it's where my heart lies. Okay. From the walks we had, and I mean, the relationship we've built up until this point, um, I know you're quite, like, you're, you are very tight with your family. You're a very tight family. You have, like, little fun jokes and things like that. But then why move? What what made you come here? What, what was the thinking behind that then? That's another thing that I never have an answer to because I finished my articles and I just never applied for a job so it was coming towards I would say about six months before finishing my articles people were starting you know to ask what are you doing after and I just never had an answer and then one day all of a sudden out of the blue an agency called me and they told me about this opportunity that they have in England and I always knew that I wanted to go to England because I actually took a gap year after school where I went to Scotland for a year. And I just always knew that I wanted to come back to the UK and more specifically England. I mean, as soon as they called me and they told me about this opportunity, I just knew that I had to come. So everything went really quick. I think within two weeks, everything was done and dusted, had the interview and had the job. And then I get, so I was still in South Africa for six months then until coming to the UK and slowly but surely I started doubting my decision of whether I should come or not and then I don't know it's almost like 
I, I felt like I've made the decision. So regardless of what I feel now, I'm going to come because I've decided. And that's something I tend to do generally in life is like almost once I've made a decision, I just eliminate all feeling, you know, or emotion around that decision because I don't know if I've made it, then that's what I what I have to do, I feel like. So yeah, even towards um, the end of the year that I was supposed to then come to England, I really started doubting whether I should come or not. And I feel like even to the very end, I never had a a reason. Like I never, you know, I don't remember a day where I made a decision thinking I'm going to come to England. I'm going to live, you know, in St. Albans near London. It just kind of all happened. And I always thought that I would only be here for two years because um, my contract originally fixed me in for two years. But then, I mean, the time goes by so fast because everything obviously is brand new. You're just exploring. I feel like the first two years I basically spent in Europe, I never got to know England. Um, So when it came to the end of the two years, I already fell in love with the country and I just it's almost like I said okay just another year and then now I you know just another year and now honestly I can't see myself going back to South Africa anytime soon probably eventually I will go back but um yeah, because like you say, especially with family and the older you get, you more, the more you start thinking about those things as well, because South Africa is still, that's where my support network lies. You know, everything I know is still in South Africa um, and I do miss my family a lot, but you just make do, I guess. Yeah. You get used to a, the different relationship that you have with them as a result of the distance. Definitely. I think we'll, we'll dive into that in a bit. So let's quickly just track back to Scotland. What was it about Scotland then that wanted you to come back? Was there a specific thing or was there a feeling you had or was it some kind of experience? No, because it's so, Scotland is so completely different to England. What I just remember about that time is, so I spent the vast majority of my time in Scotland. Um, I mean, I was 19 years old. I was almost too scared to leave my room. Um, Because, you know, I spent the first 19 years of my life in this safe little bubble in South Africa, in Pretoria even. And um, then all of a sudden I ventured into this um, big new world. And I feel like to some extent that's what it is, is, you know, it could have been any country. It's just by chance that I ended up in Scotland. And because of that, I feel like to me that was this whole new world. And even seven years later after finishing my studies and my articles I still had that kind of that idea about the UK and when I was in Scotland I never actually came to England so before I went home um, after my gap year I spent one week in London and that's what I saw of England but I just I just knew that I had to come back I can't tell you exactly what it was but yeah they would like the seed was planted yeah what would you then say with this kind of let's say you kn- you knew you wanted to come back, you came back in the end. What was the biggest disappointment when you came here? I mean, you had this big dream coming back here and then all of a yeah. sudden you come here. What would you say was the biggest disappointment? I think all? to me, the biggest disappointment was how closed off I found English people to be, as in... I, I had this idea of what it would be like to be an expat because and my idea was built on what I saw an expat's life in South Africa as where I feel like whenever an expat used to you know come to South Africa and 
by chance fell into our group of friends, then they would be this like thing from a strange country that like everyone just wants to know more and everyone wants to befriend them. And I kind of had that idea. So I thought I was going to come to England and everyone would just want to be my friend. And that just wasn't the case. I feel like you need to work very, very hard to earn a Brit's trust. And even when you have, have their trust, it's going to take years and years for them to consider you a friend. That actual like friendship relationship, I feel like takes years and years. Luckily, though, I ended up at an office where there were so many expats. Um, I think 70% of the office were actually expats. And obviously all of us are in the same boat. All of us have that same need. So I made really good friends with those people, lifelong relationships. But I still do feel like I wish that it was a bit easier to, you know, to make those same, to get those same friendships with local British people. So let's go back to the family part again. Can you remember what you, the, the feeling was when you found out that you that you're going to have to come here in with your family? Were, were they mm. happy for you? So I don't think it sunk in for anyone, even myself, until probably about a month before I, you know, was actually due to come. Yeah, so in the beginning, when I just found out, it was excitement, I guess, for everyone, um, because we didn't realize what it actually meant. But then towards the end, they were, I'm not one to cry, and I never did. But which makes it almost worse because there was always this like very heavy feeling. No one talked about it. All of us knew that it was coming, but we just tried to avoid it as far as possible. It was a very, very, I don't want to say sad day, the day I left. Because I mean, there's a lot of tears and like my parents were sad. My, you know, my family was sad. I was sad, but at the same time, I was excited and I know that they were excited too. Yeah, but it's not something that I would want to repeat yeah. <laughs> often. <laughs> I think that's what I would agree with you. Um, well, I can only speak for my family and we are very emotional people. Mm. So we, the build-up was very long and very emotional <laughs> before I came here. But yeah. the airport is not the best place to yeah. say goodbye. I used to love airports mm. until I moved to the UK. And now I hate the airport. Even when I just go on holiday, I just hate the airport because of all of the emotion that just goes with it. Well, I haven't even been back since I've been here and I'm already looking up to oh, not having it's that. Horrible. It's horrible. It just doesn't get better. for so, Like you, you learn to live with it, I guess. You learn to manage it better, you know, that time at the airport. Like, for example, the day that I came to the UK for the first time, we, I think we arrived at the airport like four hours early thinking, well, we, you know, we'll go and have dinner and have like a nice farewell. And that's just not a good idea because it's so depressing. Morbid. And yeah, you don't want to spend the last like two hours of your time with your family in this, you know, with anticipating this thing that's going to come, you know it's going to happen and you're kind of just postponing it. And then when I went back home to visit, we did the same thing again when I came back to the UK. And then I've been back twice since then. And now 
it, like my family literally just drops me at the airport and <laughs> I, Bye, we're yeah. not gonna do this again. <laughs> we have this thing because my cousin lives in Abu Dhabi and he actually moved to Abu Dhabi um, a few months before I moved to the UK and his parents used to tell my parents like you'll see in the beginning you know you want to spend every last minute with them but then um, when they come and visit about you know for the second or the third time they call it drop off and fuck off <laughs> <laughs> like you literally you just stop kick the child out and okay. drive off yeah, avoid all emotions cry, they can cry on their way home in the car I can cry on my way to the airplane but yeah we don't have to yeah, don't... live through that together someone I know who lives here who's also from South Africa they live down in Bournemouth they said to me don't let anyone and she, she used to be my study supervisor she said to me don't let anyone go with you to the airport mm. that's going to be the easiest and she also knows my mom and I actually said that to my mom and my mom just, and my mom really likes Tanya yeah. she really thinks well of Tanya and she just said I really like Tanya but if she thinks for one second that's what your mother's going to do she's crazy yeah and so I don't know if my mom would ever do the drop off and fuck off <laughs> thing so quickly how long have you been here I don't think we've touched on that yet so I moved here in at the end of 2017 so at the end of this year it will have been four years that i'm in the uk yeah so if you hear lots of tooting and cheering there's a wedding close to my house happening oh i saw people in their tuxedos and yeah so we're celebrating 32 with degrees. Them. i know it's crazy <laughs> it's very hot in the uk even where we're sitting at the moment mm. we're sweating so a little bit of insight to our lives okay so you've been here a while um, and obviously we'll get we'll we'll jump around between the two themes of good and bad. Let's quickly talk about the good things. What surprised you when you got here? That's an, another tough one. I don't feel like I've ever actually thought about these things. Yeah, but what's good about England specifically? I guess I just feel like I don't know the surroundings. Like you know this little town in St Albans where I'm living. You like this idea that you have of England. That is actually what England is. I, that, to me, that was a surprise because I thought that, you know, Hollywood is like, it never really portrays real life. But these like farmlands and the little, um, what do you call it, these walls that they build out of the the stones, the yeah, stone walls, yeah. and just how green it is. And then the contrast to me that's something i really love is like if i just go from st albans to london it's like a complete different world it's 20 minutes by train but it's like you're stepping into a different universe and i just love i love the the diversity it has to offer i mean south africa has the same it also has diversity but it's just it's so different it's a different kind of diversity i'm not necessarily talking about people i'm just talking about like experiences almost and you know, nature and I don't know, there's more, whenever we talk about diversity, I think it's like the first thing we think of is diversity in people, but there's so, so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I do love the diversity in, you know, the people, but I feel like that's something we have in South Africa anyway. So it's not something that I came here to seek or to find. Yeah, but there's, I don't know, there's just so much good and it's not, I can't put my finger on it, but I, I think I've told you before, oftentimes I find myself, I'll, I'll just get off the train at Blackfriars in London and I'll just get this feeling of like pure happiness and content. 
I don't know what it is, but just, you know, looking out over the Thames and just thinking, oh man, I'm so lucky to be here. Mm, I don't it's think we so always good. know how lucky we are to be here. And I think that's also something I wanted to talk to you about is just the thing, there's loads of people who really want to be here and who struggle to, like, I mean, not because they find wherever they are bad. They mm. just want to, like, experience something different. I think that's, that's yeah. where you and I agree that we want to experience something different that we're used mm. to. And I must say, we kind of, like, they say in Afrikaans, mm. um, meaning we really, what's the English saying, have our cake and eat it. In the yeah. sense of St. Albans is so nice. It's very like countryside kind of. And it's and not like either of us planned to end up in St. Albans. No. It just happened. Yeah. And I can't imagine myself anywhere else right now. No, not at all. I mean, St. Albans is lovely countryside. Mm. And then 20 minutes you're in, in London and yeah. you can see the Shard, you can see the Thames, you can go to any of those kind of things. So we're really lucky in that aspect. We talked about friends and how difficult it is to get you know, because for me I also thought I kind of had this idea I'm going to have this like eclectic group of friends mm. and it's going to be great but that's really a struggle so what would you say what advice would you give to people and I don't know if you or I have figured that out by now but um, at yeah. one point because last night when we did have the barbecue you talked about the friendship you've had and things like that so there must have been a time where you kind of felt okay you did make friends. So what would your advice be to yeah. people in a new country? Honestly, I don't think there's, like, there isn't good advice for this because it's going to be different for every person. And as I said, I was very, very lucky to end up in a place where there were so many expats, all of us needing the same thing. All of us, you know, left our support network back at home and we came to this foreign country seeking relationship and seeking community, which, yeah, I mean, I was just very lucky to end up in a group of people like that. But the thing is, the, the thing that I found most difficult is, I would say for the first year at least, even though I was surrounded by all of these people, um, you know, everyone wanting to build relationship and make, make friends, I just, I struggled to connect because in my mind, this was always going to be, there's, there was always going to be an end to this journey. So I almost didn't want to commit to anyone. Yeah, I just, I didn't see why why I should. But then eventually, I would say during year two, I all of a sudden, like, we just became so close, this group of expats. And then I actually did experience that pain that I think in the beginning I tried to avoid, where I would say for a year, about a year and a half, we were a big group of really close friends. It was so amazing. Like when we went out to restaurants, people would always used to ask us like, where are you guys from? Because we had two Spanish people in the group and everyone else, we were about 10 people at some point um, who did everything together, except for the two Spanish people, no other like person was from the same country or background. So that was really, really cool. But then, just as I felt we built this really strong relationship, we almost became like a family away from family. You know, people started going back home. So some of the two-year contracts came to an end and people just felt that they had to go back home or some people moved to London. And even though London is just 20 minutes away, I mean, you'll know, like, mm. it you don't just go to London to see a friend. It's, yeah. Well, it's, in the beginning you do, but then after a while it's like, it's yeah, just so much it's effort. it's so tiring. You can't do that every weekend. And it's different. For example, of yeah, when everyone used to live in St. Albans, 
I would know that, you know, going into town, I would, I just knew that I would bump into someone. It almost felt like back in South Africa where I know whenever um, we would go to the local shops, like pick and pay or checkers or whatever, you just knew that you were going to bump into someone. And Mm. I missed that so much. And then that started happening over here. I actually think that's why I extended after the initial two years, I was in the middle of this really great like family that we built. And that's why I extended. But then about a year into that, that's when people started going home. And that was so painful. And now I'm almost back at that place where I'm so scared to make friends, to like make actual real friends, because I still feel like because of the community that we are in, which is a community of expats, you just always know there's an expiry date. People are eventually going to go back home. Um, And that's really tough for me to accept. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And probably also, I mean, there are many reasons why I would eventually one day go back to South Africa. But that's probably one of the biggest reasons is that I don't feel that being an expat will allow me to ever have the same kind of community that I would have when I Back am home. home. Yeah. yeah. How would you say you deal with homesickness then? Because obviously there are times where you just yeah. long to be home. <laughs> I wouldn't say I deal with it well. I haven't <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet. What are the top three tips no, to deal with homesickness? Definitely, I tend to isolate which isn't good like for me at least I know and I think for most people it's just not good sometimes when you you feel like um you are starting to isolate yourself or you feel like that's what you need I like 90% of the time it isn't actually what you need you need to then go out and you know the one or two friends that you have that haven't gone home you need to reach out to them and like talk to them about this because they all they might not be feeling the same way in that moment but they have definitely Mm. felt that way before Um, and even if they haven't felt it before I guarantee you that at some point they will feel that loneliness and just longing for home yeah so definitely reach out to people and also just change your mindset you're allowed to miss home and sometimes you know just feel sad for no Mm. apparent reason but you need to make sure that you don't get stuck there so just like list the things that you love about the country or remember why you came here in the first place and also remind yourself that you know there's every morning you make a choice to be here and to live this life no one's forcing any of us to do this this Mm. is by choice so and obviously we choose this for a reason and what is that reason yeah just remind it reminds me so much of that film um brooklyn and the quote that she says in the end that sometimes you've you'll be so homesick it feels like you can't breathe and i think i can resonate so much like because it really feels like no one understands you (laughs) no one gets you no one's going to give you the love from your family or the friends back home but just keep on going because someday one day at a time and there's going to be a time where you still feel this way but you it would be much more manageable Mm. and i think i do agree that you have to have someone that you can confine in and i mean i I think in some ways I have that with you and Heinrich. Sometimes you just know, if I just say I miss Spur at the moment, <laughs> then you know. So um, finding someone you can confine in and, um, as you say, people people might not be in that same space, but they know what you're going through. So I think mm-hmm. that is good advice. Do you think people should immigrate? What do you think? Like, Why would you, or like at least just travel, why would you say people should do that? 
Well, I, I don't want to say people should. I mean, you know, to each their own. But I definitely think that there are so much, like there's so much benefit to traveling. And obviously everyone doesn't have the means or the opportunity, but just to in some way expand your horizons. Once again, this isn't something I can put my finger on, but I just feel like I've grown so much since moving away from South Africa and especially in a country like South Africa where there's, I feel like the Afrikaner people can get very, very negative about the country and, you know, complain about things where I can see why people would complain about it. But then having stepped out of all of that and kind of looking at it from a distance and having experienced all of these other things, it makes you realize, like when I speak to my family now, they'll mention things and they'll complain about things, which I always used to also think it's a South African problem. And now I know that it's not. It's a universal, like so many of the problems people have, countries have, are universal problems. Then it has its own personality, obviously, like each country has its own personal problems. But in the greater scheme of things, I think, yeah, we can just learn so much from each other. It's also just in South Africa, very often, I feel like we think we see black and white and that's it. And there is so much more that Mm. to, there's so much more than just black and white. And yeah, I also, when I moved here, I realized that race isn't just about being black or being white. Like there's so much more to it. It's culture. It's and it, like each culture is just so interesting in its own way. I learned so many, like t- two of my best friends. So my one friend from here is Mega is her name. She's Indian and she's from India. And then I have a Chinese friend called Shin, who's both of them actually live in London now. But I had these very preconceived ideas of, you know, of because, you know, I've known one Indian person before and I don't even think I ever knew a Chinese person before I moved to the UK. But you just have this understanding of these people from what your parents have told you, what you've seen on TV, what your friends have told you. And it's so completely wrong. I guess we focus on the stereotypical things, but there's so much more to any individual person than just where they're from or, Mm. yeah. And I found with all of these people, I have so much in common. And Mm. that's something, that's one of the things that I also love the most about being here is just realizing how, even though we're all so different, we're all exactly the same. We all need and long for the same things. Yeah, I can't actually remember what the question is that you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, good answer. (laughs) Would you say you would be able to identify like a major growth point for you while you were here? I feel like on a daily basis, I've just grown so much. I I definitely feel like I've grown up just in general, you know, since moving here. I've had to take responsibility for myself and my own decisions. I've had to take responsibility for the choice I made to move here. Yeah, but I can't think of a particular thing where I feel like, I don't know, like life-changing growth yeah. in, okay. a, in a moment. Yeah, well, it's a process, isn't mm. it? I mean, each, each phase is a different kind of growth thing. What would you say, let's say, English people can learn from South Africans? <laughs> Community and like being 
I don't want to say being welcoming because I mean I don't understand English people the way I obviously understand South African people because I can't necessarily relate to the same extent that I can relate to South African people and there's obviously a reason they might think that we're just overbearing and <laughs> they don't understand why we want to be friends so much but I feel like yeah they could learn from South Africans to I I almost want to just in plain simple English say to be friendlier just be more friendly be more yeah. open okay yeah. let's ask the question the other way around what do you think south africans can learn from the brits south africans can probably learn to maybe i feel like people are like they're more ac accepting which sounds contra contradictory to what i just said but i feel like yes even though south africans are very open and welcoming you all you have to to some extent um comply with their rules to be accepted whereas I feel like over here people are a lot more accepting of just who you are and mm. yeah I feel like that's something South Africans can probably learn and it's probably like just I don't want to say that the British are liberal because I don't feel that they are but they are to some extent more liberal than South Africans are which I've enjoyed and which I feel that South Africans can learn something from them. All right let's talk about some other things about you then so that we can can get to know you a bit better. What would you say is a movie that everyone has to watch? So my favorite movie ever, and you know this, is Carol. Mm, why? Um, why do you like it? it? So with it's not necessarily the storyline or, you know, even the characters or anything. I feel like the movie was written so, so well. Like there's, it's probably one of the movies where they speak the least that I've ever um, watched. But the tension that the music and just the story that it is, builds it's just it's so good i feel like it, the tension builds 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 and then there's a release and then builds 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 and it, there's a release and i just love that about the movie it is a very good storyline as well i love it um because yeah i don't i don't even want to tell you what yeah, it's no spoiler, about but yeah no because i, I want it. people to watch it and i almost the thing is when i watched carol for the first time i didn't know what it was about and i think that made it so much better for okay. me yeah so i don't want to give anything away but that's definitely um a movie i think everyone should watch and just with an open mind no you know preconceptions or judgments or anything just oh. watch it and see it for what it is yeah i hope people watch it then and then let's talk about a book what book would you say people should read oh that's so difficult movie like it's so much easier because ugh, i've read so many good books i think so two books always jump out to me when someone asks that asks that question and the first one is the first book that i ever read which is um cain and abel from jeffrey archer life-changing book once again i don't think i probably won't tell you what it's about but even in the name you can kind of like mm. you know it's the i mean the idea for the name is obviously it's from the bible with the two brothers and it's about two men the one's name is abel and the other one's surname is cain and then they have it's like two completely different stories but then at some point their lives intertwine mm. and what i love about this book and it's so good that i read it i think i was probably i think 15 16 when i read the book and at that point in my life i was always very 
I didn't understand why some people had privileges that others didn't. And I always felt like I didn't have privilege, which I know now isn't true. But, you know, I think all children go through a time like that in their life where they, they just always think, but, you know, why these friends have everything. They have a jacuzzi and we, we just have a swimming pool. Or, like, you know, they go on a two-week holiday to Cape Town every year and we just go to Durban. Yeah, but this book, so the one guy is born into extreme privilege and the other one is born into extreme poverty mm-hmm. and it tells these different stories and in the end it just shows how you know they end up in the same place even though their starting points in life were so completely different yeah. so that's a very good book and the second one that i think everyone should read it's called the fountainhead by ian rand and yeah so she's an american writer once again, just so many times when I'm just walking in the streets and I observe a situation or I see something, like I always refer back to that book. There's so many things. Like it's just explains, I wouldn't say explain actually, it um, studies society in such an indirect way. And what's really good about that book is there's a very, very limited amount of characters, but it's all the characters you need to explain almost every social situation in life. So if you had to say what's the best advice your mom has ever given you? I think the best advice that she's given me is an advice that she's actually it's more by example so from what i've observed and it's just to keep on to give out because you want to give and by give i don't necessarily mean you know like physical give to charity or the Mm. like just give to people like give to you or like to your friends or to you know just say greet someone when you walk past them like that's giving to me and that it always reminds me of my mom because she's so like she gives of herself to absolutely everyone whenever we go to the shops like she'll just strike up a conversation with the lady behind the till and she does i always realize what she's doing but she doesn't like to her it's just second nature yeah that like she doesn't see anything like she doesn't think that she's being nice or being friendly or actually making someone's day that's just who she is yeah i am the opposite so i would avoid greeting people or you know i would I won't say I never strike up a conversation with someone behind the till. I I kind of like to do that, but I don't know. My mom just has this way where you can just see that she makes people's day without realizing it and without even trying. Mm. Yeah, so I think to me, that's probably the main thing is just to be a good human being. (laughs) That's very good. You spoke about Pretoria earlier. What would you say is your top favorite things to do in Pretoria? Top three. Oh man, so my top three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my top three favorite things to do in Pretoria. The number one thing, and it doesn't matter where it is or when it is, it's just to be with friends and family. Normally in Pretoria, that would be on the stoop or like in the backyard having a barbecue. Yeah. It, Honestly, like if I have that, then that's my all-time favorite thing, no matter where it is. And something I really like is I live quite close to the union building. So we would sometimes, you know, I would invite people over to my home in South Africa, my parents' house. We'd have a barbecue. We'd spend the day swimming and just relaxing at home. And then we would go and see the sunset, just drive to the union buildings, go and, you know, buy a coffee, sit there on a blanket. 
The reason that's one of my favorite places in Pretoria is because it's so diverse. I feel like even, you know, after 26 years of democracy, South Africa is still very, very segregated. You have like your white neighborhoods, your black neighborhoods, Indian, Chinese even. But when you go to the union buildings, they're like, it's such a mixing pot of just everyone. Obviously, it's also because there are a lot of, it's the parliamentary building. So for half the year, the parliament is in the union buildings. And there's so many expats around that area. But also, it's right in the middle of the city where people just come from far and wide to, to the city to come and try to make a living, to live the South African dream. And um, so you just get all sorts, you like all colors, all languages, all almost, what do you call it? Like economic, yeah, you know, socioeconomic. Like, yeah, just everything. And I love, if you go to the union buildings, that I feel like when I'm there, like you have children running up to you that they don't see color, which I absolutely love. I mean, you have to see color at some point. We have to acknowledge color, I believe, and not, you know, dismiss it. But I just love that there's no, absolutely no fear. I don't have that. I don't feel like there's the same kind of prejudice you get in other places in Pretoria. Yeah. Also, the union buildings are quite pretty as well. So if they are you really nice. are listening to that and you don't know how it looks, Google it. They are really yeah. pretty. Yeah, and, and there's a massive statue of Nelson Mandela as well, which I think can't be older than 10 years actually so yeah which they've erected there and it's a really really nice one it's so yeah. big and he's standing there with his open arms it's really beautiful i love it and looking towards the city and also yeah when you're at the union buildings uh, it's in such a good position it's actually on a little um copy like a hill, yeah, a hill yeah. yeah and um you just you see the entire city from there yeah okay cool and I think even with the jacarandas in bloom, I think that would also be quite beautiful. Good. What would your advice be to someone who wants to come over to the UK or to go to another place? My first advice would be do it. Like, <laughs> even if you um, if you doubt it at some point, like there's we're all grown ups and. I feel like when I went to Scotland, I always felt that, that if I didn't follow through and if I went back home, I would be a failure. And that's just not true. Now that I'm a grown up, I know that you try things in life. And just because you don't necessarily follow through or it doesn't go to plan, doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that there's something else for you. So, you know, if you doubt it, just come and see what it's all about. And if you then realize that it's not for you, then there's no harm in just going back to the life you had before or going to a different life. Um, but definitely just go for it. And But also know that it, it's really, really hard at times. Like the past four years have probably been the most fulfilling, but also the toughest years of my life. You learn so much about yourself, especially if you do... Like I came alone with absolutely no one. I had to literally build my life from scratch. Like mm. I knew no one, I knew nothing. And I've just learned so much about myself. I still learn a lot every single day, but I've definitely got to know myself in a way that I never would have otherwise if I just stayed in South Africa. Um, yeah, so know that it's gonna, it's gonna be tough, but the good times are worth the tough times. And if it's not, then fine, then you've tried. Then yeah, try I think the next we don't thing. always realize what kind of safety net we do have when going back home. I mm. mean, and I think once again, that's also privileged. 
but having a family that would be like it's fine come home we've got your back we don't know what's going to go go down from here on but we'll figure it out yeah and i think that's good to know so if you have a stable family that's something you can consider as well going like okay there is a safety net or like a stable friend friend group it doesn't even have to be Mm. a family yeah but i always like i always just think what is the worst thing that can happen and if you really think about it, the worst thing is never that bad. Mm. And the worst thing probably is never going to happen. Yeah. So think of the worst thing and then think, is it really that bad? And 10 years from now, you know, would it have had such a massive impact that I shouldn't actually have done it? Or 10 years from now, will I just not even remember? You see, that's the accountant in you that's speaking, saying, <laughs> what's, the, what's the chances of this yeah, happening? We need to always, figure it out. Like, I always think that way. Like, even two years from now, are you still going to be thinking about this? If so, then probably do something about it. If yeah. no, then forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to make a rooster cook for you last night. Yes. Um, and what I loved about it is, I think, because it's such a South African thing and we know it, but what I loved about it more, and I'm just going to tell the story in this way, is, I mean, with most of the podcasts I've done so far, it's me and the other person. But as South African as we are, it ended up being a, like... I don't want to say a huge party because it wasn't a party. It was just like a <laughs> very fun evening with, uh, it was you and me and a three other people. Bride, so yeah, the way bride. that a bride should be. And um, I mean, we ended up not recording in the end of the mm. day. Um, and also, we also ended up not because you asked, you requested Rusterkuk and Sahu pudding, which Sahu I couldn't find, which was a pity. Um, but in the end, I just decided, well, you can't just have a bride with just the Rusterkuk. So we, obviously there was loads of food in the end, but mm. tell me, what was your experience of that? Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. And like you say, mainly the food was amazing. The food was really good, but just the, the community that came with it. Yeah, because in the end, like you said, we invited a few more people and that's what to me that's what a braai is about it doesn't matter what you cook or whether you even eat at the end of the night (laughs) it's just having everyone together and just having a good time just being together yeah yeah sometimes like you don't even have to say anything everyone can just be sitting there staring at the fire and go home not having said a word and it's just it's so amazing yeah i also thought what was nice is we got to share like our kind of culinary culture with two people who's never experienced mm. it before and i mean we had i have some bravos from a local butchery that actually makes it from the south african shop we had the rest of cook so that was just so nice and they were so intrigued by it yeah and um my housemate steve he actually said um bread on a fire because that's the only way i could describe <laughs> the rest of the cook to him and he was kind of like <laughs> second guessing it and he even said okay he, he takes that back yeah at the end of the night he said that was actually the best yeah. thing on his plate we just couldn't get him to have it with jam and jam and cheese, cheese. Oh, man he missed out there yeah well there, there's more opportunities why did you choose this recipe then yeah so i guess originally when you asked me to think of a meal that i would want for some reason it i just jumped back like 20 years ago I remembered the first time I ever had the rooster cook and again it's like a family a memory with where I was with my family just having a good time so we went to the western cape for the first time ever and it was like it was a big holiday in those days like to go to the western cape from Pretoria is really expensive so and my grandmother also went with us we drove the 12-14 hours down to the coast 
there's this um, coastal town, it's called Hartenbos. We didn't stay there, I think, oh, we actually stayed in Mossel Bay. And I think Hartenbos is the neighboring, um, like, town almost. And just one day, by chance, we stopped in Hartenbos to go into the um, grocery store to get some cool drinks and to then drive further to another beach. And there was this lady standing outside the shop with her open fire cooking Roosterkoek and I've never seen it before but the smell it's like I can't explain it you know like the way that bread smells like almost the smell of a bakery but next level it's just like bread on a barbecue like you mm. can't ask for anything better and yeah so she made the Roosterkoek with Budavorsch and this really good like chakalaka or jam and cheese so my parents just they insisted that we had to try this stuff so all of us had my the budavosh and chakalaka and it was just so good we sat there and finished it and then my dad was like okay let's go back and get the jam and cheese as well so and that luckily that was at the beginning of the holiday and then after that day every single day for two weeks we drove there to go and have the roaster cook <laughs> and since then that was easily that was 20 years ago whenever we go go to the cape now that lady isn't there anymore but we drive around hartenbos because you always know that you will find roosterkoek somewhere and the holiday isn't over until we haven't had roosterkoek um yeah so that was that's just such a very good vivid memory that i have from my childhood yeah yeah I must say it was great last night again and once again it just shows you sometimes what food can do and I think once again the South African culture that we can just kind of embed in these people not that I'm saying we're superior mm-hmm. but I mean just the fact that um, we can share that with people was amazing yeah and I mean all of us can learn from each other I feel like yeah I can't actually wait for you know Steve and Esty to teach us about their culture yeah, next exactly. time yeah exactly and I mean we had a because that's exactly what happened we had this conversation about um, because is ST Spanish and the things that, where she comes from is like seafood mm. is more popular thing and we had a, had a talk about that so yeah and then um, afterwards we ended up and I feel like it it worked out so perfectly just the way I mean you requested the South African recipe and you also asked for sahu pudding which I couldn't find but in the end because you and I recently have this thing for bread and butter pudding but that is very British and that I think is it's... something South Africans can learn from the British <laughs> but I found it so perfect in some extent. I'm getting a bit of goosebumps, as you say, because, I mean, that's your life. You have, like, the South African thing, but you're also making things happen in this country. So it was kind of a combination of the two. So, um, yeah, we had some bread and butter pudding. It was really good. I do feel like everything came together really well. And especially, like, recently, I feel like I actually, and some people won't be happy to hear me saying this, but I love... England and South Africa equally, completely differently, but equally. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. And last night was just so, I don't know, it just kind of sealed that for Mm, me. Well, I must say, although this sounds very sad, please don't pity me, people. But um, it's the first time I really had a proper good time with people like South African style. Yeah, with more than two people. (laughs) If you had to name this episode... The untold tales of... So the first thing that comes to mind, I know this is going to sound so corny, but the untold tales... I'll think about this a bit more. So if people see a different title, then know that I thought about this and told Jimmy to change it. But the untold tales of me. 
Okay. That's it. Just like, this is me. <laughs> I'm going to add your name in brackets, <laughs> otherwise people would think yeah. it's about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Could say Alicia, but I just, I don't want to. I don't know. The untold tales of me. This is me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very, very great to show Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost. Alicia, it was lovely having you. Thank you for making time and thank you for the great conversation. Yeah, thank have. you. I had fun. Yeah, looking forward to our next bride. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of this podcast. I've been getting so much good feedback. If you really want to do me a big favor, please, 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 please share this on your social media platforms or just send it to a friend who you think would enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening and also follow me on social media and find the recipes there. Cheers.